In today's episode, we discuss the difficulties of being a woman in high-powered corporate America, transmuting weaknesses into strength, the importance of suffering, double standards, the double-edged sword of social media, and more. I really hope you'll enjoy today's episode, and as always, if you'd hop on and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice or give the episode a share, it helps us to spread the word. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the ice pod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the ice pod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the ice pod is super durable and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE. 50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. I am here with today's guest, Katia Kar- Karlova. Sorry, I almost messed it up, but I caught myself at you the last second it. there. <laughs> you got it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited um, to be here, excited to chat, and um, excited to talk about the book too. Cool. Thank you so much. Um you know, I, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we, we linked up a while back. I know I sent you a copy of the book and... Um, I know you mentioned, which we'll get into today, I'm sure that you've had a, had a lot of health issues. So I hope it's been, you know, a little bit of a hope or a help for you as well. Um, Why don't you just start out, just give us a little bit about uh, you, you know, your background and you have a a pretty interesting career arc and things. So excited to hear about it. I do. I do. It's a little bit, it's a little bit unique. Um, So I am Katya. I am 
started uh, modeling about a year ago. It was a passion of mine. That's something I always wanted to pursue. But I had um, a corporate career that I had been pursuing for a really long time. There were certain like, you know, goals that I wanted to hit for myself. And um, actually COVID, when COVID happened, it was a time of like, you know, personal reflection for me. And I think uh, when I, I used that time, I think everyone used that time differently. But for me, I was like, great. Like this is a time, if any time for personal reflection, it's going to be right mm -hmm. now. I mean, I'm here, there's nowhere to go. I can kind of think about myself and look inward. And one of the things that I had always struggled with was like body confidence and my own body image. And, um, and I know that's like one of the things that kind of that we connected on and sort of how, you know, your appearance plays into your life. And one of the things I'd always wanted to do was, was model. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I know I have a professional career. And um, the other thing about me is I, um, I went to UCLA. Um, so I was born in Moldova, emigrated to the U.S. as a child, went to UCLA, uh, went to graduate school at University College London. So I'd had a, you know, career doing public speaking, actually, um, and then kind of working in the talent space. And I love that. And I still love that to this day. But one of the things I wanted to do was, um, was really work on my on my body image and prove to myself, this is something that I could do. And I think something that's always been important to me is like personal development. And that's what modeling was for me. And I think I also part of it for me was also like making a point that you can do both. You don't have to be you know, society might want to tell you, you can be in this box or you can be in that box, especially as a woman. And I was like, I don't really buy into that. So um, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that's something that was important to me. And so I started doing modeling and kind of telling my story and, and working with brands and doing something that fulfilled me creatively, which is something that I didn't really have in my um, so much, I think, in my professional life. That's kind of me in a nutshell, I think. Okay. And I know like something that I, you know, probably that you touched on a little bit that maybe we can delve into a little bit more is like, you know, I know that, you know, obviously you have like the, like the master's degree from UCLA, um, you know, you've done the speaking. I know that you were like a corporate executive. Is are that something you're still doing as well? Okay. So yeah, something I I'm do, interested in. I do both. Yeah. Is as you mentioned, like kind of breaking down, I guess the, the barrier between that, because typically, you know, especially like, especially for women, I think we have a lot of like boxes that we expect like women to fit into. And it's like, okay, you're either like the really professional, like business woman, or, you know, you're mm -hmm. like another type of woman. And um, yeah. it sounds like something that you wrestled with was kind of the idea of like, okay, I'm going to break down this boundary and I'm going to, you know, embrace my femininity and get into modeling and things like that but also continue to be like this, you know, this like high power executive in a, in a business situation also. Yeah. I think that that's the best way to break down a barrier is to do it. Like to, like that's the thing is like, I think people spend so much time uh, like thinking about, well, did someone else do it or can I do it? Or can I not do it? And I think the best way is just to, to start, like start, whatever that thing is that you want to do. And I didn't, you know, kind of start out like being like, Oh, I want to make a point or like, you know, be really preachy about this. It, it's really more like something that I wanted to do. And if that was going to be an example for other people at the same time, great. 
you know, then that's, that's great. But, you know, to be honest, like it was just, just, you know, selfish reasons. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that like, um, wanting to improve, you know, yourself and your own mental health, there's anything wrong with that. And I know for me, it was a lot of it was about kind of mental health, because I do think that society kind of tells you that like, you can either be this really buttoned up corporate woman, or you're this kind of woman. It's like the Madonna whore complex. So plays out Mm -hmm. in every aspect of society. And I just think that's really unfair. I don't understand why you, I don't see any reason why you can't do both other than like some kind of antiquated, um, an antiquated stereotypes or, you know, some kind of preconceived notions about what women should or shouldn't be. And I don't really know why someone else would get to decide that other than the person. So I think as long as like you're doing your job and you're doing a good job at that and you want to pursue a passion, I don't think it's any different than like someone who has a side hustle, you know, baking cupcakes or painting or, you know, doing something else. I think um, if someone has a a goal and a passion that they want to pursue, do it. Like there's no, there's no reason I think why we need to like our, I think I spent a long, big chunk of my life believing that like my life was work. And it's very common in America, Mm -hmm. right? Like we get into that mindset, like we are our jobs. And I don't think, well, for me, I can at least speak for myself. Like that wasn't going to lead me to be like a happy person as a whole. And I think like the only thing we can do in this life is like search for happiness for ourselves. And I wasn't going to find it just being a corporate executive. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. I, you know, it's, there's like the cliche when you're at a party and you, yeah. <clears throat> you're like at a dinner party and you're meeting new people and you know, oh, so like, what do you do as if like, it's just assumed like this is who you are. Right. And, yep. um, you know, I still feel this way, but I, I really felt this way, uh, you know, nine years ago when I was a nurse, because I hated nursing. Like I did not want to think about being a nurse. Yeah. I didn't want to like, I, I could not wait for the time that like my shift would end and I could just go home and forget about being a nurse for five days. Cause I, I worked like two shifts a week and I just take the rest of the time off. And That's so I, th- I think there, there really is that idea, <clears throat> especially in America, right? Like you, you go to school, yes. you get a degree, you, mm-hmm. you get this job and then like you get out and you get the job and then you just kind of made it like, that's who you're expected yeah. to be forever. Like this was my degree. This is how I've defined myself in my life. And um, yeah, that that's, it's like a really limiting way to kind of view yourself in the world in general, right? To, to see yourself only yeah. through the lens of like what you do for work. Well, exactly. And it like, and it doesn't lead, you know, and I, and I think I say this like backed with data, like it doesn't lead to happiness. Like people are not, um, necessarily like fulfilled or, where we wouldn't have like the amount of people experiencing like burnout or mental health issues, like, right. Like chronically stressed because of their job. Mm -hmm. And especially because like, they feel like they are their job. Right. And like, that's not who you are. Right. That's what you do to make money. Right. That's not necessarily who you are. And I love like my, you know, professional career path. I do. I, I enjoy doing that, but that's not like all of who I am. And I do think mm-hmm. it is more of an American 
mindset to be like, what do you do? It's not, I think I, and I realize like working with different cultures, it's not as common. Like I think in Europe to like define people by necessarily like what, what they do professionally, but, but in America, we, we definitely like to put like, you know, put people in neat little boxes and then maybe that makes it life easier for us. Yeah. And like, maybe part of it too, I think is everything is just so, uh, corporatized in America too. And, you know, I, I work like my day job, you know, I, I partially own and manage, um, like a chain of gyms here, uh, in Atlanta. And, you know, I work closely with the owners, so it's, it's not a big corporate thing. It's like, I, you know, I have a little bit of ownership. I've helped them build the business and grow the business. And, you know, again, like, like you, I, I really like what I do as far as, you know, working a job for someone else, I could never imagine doing anything other than what I do. Um, but at the end of the day, right. Like I think, you know, their experience being the people that actually started it and have like the vast majority of like ownership in it, their experience of the business is different than, you know, my experience of the business, yeah. which is, you know, essentially it's, it's like their baby. And it's like, you know, I'm like the nanny of their baby, right? <laughs> like I, I care about the baby. I grew up with the baby. Like I have love for the baby. I have love for them, but it just, it's a different experience. And, and that's even me being more connected than, you know, like, you know, you're an Amazon warehouse worker and you're just right. stuffing things into this box for like eight hours a day and you just get a check at the end of the week. And it's very different than, um, you know, being an artisan, like if you were back in the Renaissance days or something and you were exactly. a blacksmith. And then I think it makes a little bit more sense to to identify and have that be part of your identity because it's it's this like this craft, this skill, this thing that you've developed and it's yours. It's your, yeah. it's part of who you are versus a, a function that you fulfill to make a entity make more money so that some of it can trickle down to you. Exactly. And I think that's changing. I do think we've seen like a, a change in people's idea of what work is. Like, I think that definitely... Mm-hmm the pandemic did shift, you know, because it showed a lot of people that work can be done from home. So I think a lot of people have sort of the work, the, the paradigm has shifted, right? The worker does have, I think more power probably than ever to sort of say, no, like these are my boundaries. Like, no, I'm not going to work, you know, 90 hours a week. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know? And I think we're, we are seeing shifts. It's just for me, that shift was wanting to pursue a passion, which I think, um, you know, I, I, I hope that more people do that. I mean, I think that there's no, no reason. I think there's no reason not to other than, and and I think this was a barrier for me though. I I remember thinking like, well, what if, you know, what are people going to think? Of course you think that, mm-hmm. you know, no, no one's immune to that. Um, and I think you just have to get to a point where you're like, well, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, are you going to choose what other people think over your own um, potential happiness? I hope not. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like you said earlier, right? It's just, <clears throat> there, there are a lot of times there are these, all these barriers that we imagine to something. And, you yeah. know, we imagine all this like backlash and all this judgment that's going to happen if we do something. And, 
then you actually just do it and you realize that like so many of your fears were completely unfounded and like most people don't really care that much like of course there's going to be some haters that you know want to want to talk because they they feel bad that they didn't accomplish something but you know I find that at the end of the day, most people are pretty self-concerned and they're not really too worried about what what you're doing. It's really funny that you say that. I said that to a good friend of mine yesterday. She was um, at a work function and you know she was just kind of like having bad anxiety. And she's like, well, what are people going to think if I leave, if I leave? And I, I was like, no one cares, actually. Yeah. Frankly, everyone yeah. is really more concerned with themselves. So I actually guarantee you that um, most people will a not notice or b not care, like, yeah. and that's uh, I think a freeing thought to get to because you do sort of think like everyone's paying attention to me and what I'm doing and and you know what most of the time people aren't, and and you know what good they should be worry about yourself like I think that um, the part that I had to get to was like don't really care I, there are people who I care what they think of course people who I respect I do care you know, what their opinions are, but those are the kind of people who are worried about like their own goals and their own development and ideas and are not that worried about like, um, you know, shit talking other people. Like those right. aren't the kind of people that I'm super interested in, you know, that relationship or their opinions. Yeah. And those, and those type of people, like they give you your opinion or their opinion when you ask for it and you value it because it's like, yes, you, you know, it's coming from a place of they're, they're working on themselves. They're happy. And if they're giving you an opinion, it's because they're, they're genuinely trying to give you like feedback that can be helpful and not just like shit exactly. on you, you know? Exactly. And you know what they're, but I would say, yes, like that there are people out there who, you know, yeah, they just, they're not happy with their own lives. They're not working on it. And they just would rather, you know, sit and talk about what everyone else is doing. And those people can stay over there. Like, I'm not really, you know, that's not, I think, who, the kind of people that I want in like my inner circle that's going to help me, you know, grow and develop and and be a better person. Mm Mm-hmm. So like, as we're, <clears throat> as we're kind of talking about, um, you know, I guess getting past like the ideas of maybe what other people are thinking about us or barriers and things like that. I, I wanted to ask you specifically, right. Um, about some of the challenges and barriers that you had to go through just getting into, you know, the corporate world as, as a woman in general, right. Cause it's obviously it's generally a very male dominated field. Yes. Especially when I was, um, starting out and um, in the industry I worked in, uh, which was the energy industry. So very male dominated. Mm, Um, And I think that I do always, you know, and I do still looking back feel that I had to work harder um, to prove, um, I think my qualifications or my like level of intelligence or, you know, ability to do something. And, and it's interesting because it's almost like people would be surprised. So you almost kind of have to like, you know, with time you learn to use that to your advantage versus seeing it as a disadvantage. But I think when I was young, you know, it was just, it was just hard. It was frustrating because I didn't have like, um, you know, there definitely was like a good old boys club for sure, you know, especially in the industry that I was working in. So 
that was difficult, like how to build those relationships with people that inherently, you know, see you on the outside. And I think the only reason it didn't get to me as much as it did was because I'm an immigrant. So I always knew what it was like to feel on the outside, you know, an immigrant that moved to the U.S. like, you know, not that long, you know, after the, you know, after the Cold War and that there were still a lot of those prejudices and stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it wasn't like super foreign to feel that way. So I think I just kind of was like, okay, well, then, you know, I'm just going to keep going or I'm going to prove it. You know, I'm going to prove my capabilities to you because I think I was always very, um, maybe stubborn <coughs> is a good word. Like I was always like, oh, you don't think I can? I'm going to prove it to you. Like, I think I always had that kind of personality type. That makes sense. And, you know, I, t I tell people um, all the time. So I'm I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for uh, like 13 years or something. And um, people, a lot of times, like they see someone that is good at something and they assume that like you just like inherently were good at it. And I tell people all the time, like I sucked when I, like, I am not a, like, there are people who go in and they do jujitsu and it's like, they've been training for a couple of years and they're really good. Yeah. I, I was not that way. It took me a long time, but because of that, I think I, I gained a deeper level of kind of like technicality because I had to focus yeah. on, you know, fundamentals. I had to focus on the technique more than I had to focus on just like my inherent, you know, athletic ability or, or whatever yeah. it may be. So I think sometimes like those weaknesses, you know, you can transmute them into strengths, as you mentioned, um, you know, it forced you to work harder and probably to think a little bit more strategically and smarter as you, you know, went into this, as opposed to someone that, you know, maybe just was one of the, the boys, the good old boys that was part of the club, yeah. you know, from day one, um, you know, you've probably been able to surpass a lot of people like that just because you've developed skills over the years that have carried you on. That's a good point, actually, is like how to, to transmute like your, you know, potential perceived weaknesses like into strengths. And I think that, you know, I think you're right. Like, you know, if I could go back, I wouldn't wish it to be different. Right. Like I wouldn't wish that I, um, you know, was sort of born into like it being very easy for me because I don't think I would be the same person. I don't think I would have learned to work as hard. I don't think I would be as strategic. I don't think I would be as resilient. And that's like a, a quality that I um, really value in others, you know, that I've like worked to cultivate in myself. And I, I think that ultimately, um, you know, sometimes like we need things to be tough, you know, because it, it does make us um, stronger and potentially braver. And I think it kind of leads to better outcomes. And I, and I say that because one of the things that, you know, professionally I've had a chance to do is like interview a lot of leaders who are really um, exceptional at what they do. And a lot of them, I would say all of them, you know, that are really like exceptional, didn't have it easy. They didn't, they weren't just kind of like born into, you know, everything being wonderful and sort of like had a job handed to them and everything was great. Like they had to, you know, they had to struggle and they had to persevere and, you know, experience certain obstacles to become the kind of leader that they ended up being. And so, mm -hmm. and I think it also probably the kind of person that they are, not just professionally, but so I think, you know, that, you know, your experience of 
having to work harder than just kind of it coming easy to you. Yeah. I mean, I think in the end that ends up being, it's, it's how you look at it. You know, you can look yeah. at it as like, man, this sucks. Or you can look at it as, okay, well, I think there's potentially some benefit to it being this way. Yeah. It really is about, um, perception and how you choose to view the world. Uh, and something that I keep coming back to, and I, I think about a lot, it's like, there's this like Joe Rogan quote, uh, from his podcast at one point, And he talks about, you know, like <clears throat> you have to be the hero in your story, right? Like yeah. if, if you're unhappy with where you are, you're unhappy with, you know, whatever it's like, imagine that there's a camera crew following you around 24 hours a day. And they're like documenting you on your rise to accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish. And that kind of having that like a empowered mindset of here's what I'm going through. And, you know, here's how I'm going to transmute it right into, into my benefit versus yeah. focusing on like the amount of problems that you have and allowing that to just kind of stop you from doing what you mentioned in the beginning, which is just starting. Right. That's just one of those huge things yeah. that goes onto the list of, you know, why you shouldn't do something because, you know, I'm a woman because this, because that, because this, and then you just, you never take that first step. Exactly. And then you sort of, you know, and then you sort of sit around thinking about, you know, the amount of people who myself included, right. I've like struggled with mental health. Right. And then you sit around kind of being like, well, why am I unhappy? Okay. Well, what would make you happy? Are you doing those things? Like it, it, in some ways, like it is that simple. Like, are you pursuing the things that would make you happy? And if not, why, you know, and there are certain circumstances, right. That could, you know, make us unhappy. You know, like I um, mentioned to you, like I've been struggling with health issues. That sucks. That really mm -hmm. like will screw up like everything that you have been working towards like, you know, every aspect of your life and you can sit around and just be like, you know, feel really sorry for yourself, you know? And like, yes, you're going to have those moments where you're going to be like, Oh, you know, like I am exhausted or defeated or whatever, but eventually like, you, you know, you've, you've got to just keep going. You know, I think that there's, um, or at least that's been, I think a common theme in my life, right? Like you've just, you do have to, you know, sometimes you might have to take a minute, collect yourself, maybe fall apart for a second. Right. But mm -hmm. at the, you know, but you've got to move through that because you can't stay in that space. It's very easy to like stay in like self pity or, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, but it won't, that definitely will not change your situation. That is like one way to guarantee things will not get better. Yeah. So and I think that's like a big lesson learned from my life. For sure. The, the health thing too, like <clears throat> we, we really take our health for granted. Like I know pe people always yes. talk about like how precious time is and how precious freedom is and, you know, the money and to, to be able yeah. to, to do the things that you want to do. But like the one thing that you would trade for all of that is like your health, right? When you, the, the the person that has like a billion dollars and they're like in a hospital bed on their like they're dying they would they would almost guarantee trade like all their money all their accomplishments all everything. their acclaim everything just to have health back and it's um it's amazing uh how 
little attention that we generally pay to that. Even people who are healthy, even people who like, you know, I go to the gym every day, I, I eat right and stuff, but I, I take for granted uh, being healthy and that that could just be taken away from you and your life is completely different in a heartbeat, right? And that I, you know, will will admit was definitely um, a, like my situation. Like I definitely, you know, will will admit that I, um, like live a pretty healthy lifestyle. So I do like take, I did take my health for granted. Cause I was like, you know, I do all the right things. You know, I, um, you know, I'm active, I eat super healthy. Like I don't drink alcohol. Like there's a lot of things that I do right to ensure that I'm healthy, but that doesn't mean that something won't come and like kind of knock you down and throw you for a loop, you know? And I think that I, you know, I think that was like the tough mental thing for me is like, because if you are a person who tries to do the right things and then like you still, you know, have like a health scare and I have um, endometriosis, which is just like a unfortunate, um, you know, it's partially genetic. Not a lot is known about it. It's like a, you know, a chronic illness. And um, I think there's nothing that I could have done to have prevented it just is what it is. But, you know, I think th that was definitely a big mental block for me to like, be like, what? No, like I, wh why do I have to deal with this? I've done all the things, done all the things I was supposed to do, you know? And then you get to a point where like, you know, you just have to deal with it um, and, and advocate for yourself and advocate for answers, which um, I think, you know, one of the things that I've <clears throat> realized and, you know, you kind of talked about like how you, you know, transmute weaknesses into strengths. And I think that had I not learned the qualities of like being able to advocate for myself and be resilient, it would have been really tough to get through this because mm. I think that one of the things about um, like this particular health issue is it not a lot is known about it. Um, it's a women's issue. So it doesn't get a lot of like typically not always, but op most often. And so it just doesn't get a lot of attention. So there's not a lot of doctors who have answers and, you know, there's always still the dynamic particularly between doctors and patients where, you know, a lot of times people don't feel comfortable challenging their doctor. And I 100% will challenge my doctor. Like it's my health. Like I'm paying you money to help me with this. So yeah, I, I am going to challenge you and I'm going to push you for answers and I'm going to like demand that things be different. And I think a lot of times we, especially like just the, the dynamic of healthcare, people will sort of do whatever their doctor tells them to do instead of like seeking out the answers on their own and trying to understand like their own health. And then that I think can be um, like a recipe for disaster. And then you end up being like, you know, very unhealthy on like 20 different medications because people, I think well, there's a laziness component probably, but there's also like not wanting to take accountability, right? Because you can just sort of blame someone else. Yeah. But ultimately like we're accountable for it. It's our health. For sure. And it, it's the, uh, you know, I, I think I, I talk about this in, in my book a little bit too, but it's like that appeal to authority that we mm -hmm. have kind of learned to default in because everyone is so specialized in society, you know? So, yeah. you know, like, uh, well, I don't know anything about, uh, I didn't go to med school. I didn't, you know, right. do, do this and this and that. So they must know. And we do it all the time. We do it with like politicians. You're like, well, you know, 
I don't know, like the politicians must know what's best. But like a lot of times, you know, at least in my opinion, the the politicians have, you know, corporate interests in their pockets and they're they're not really concerned about like what is best or what is, you know, just or what is good. They're they're just trying to make their donors happy. And uh, I I think that that it, it is a mental laziness that kind of causes us to default. And I think a lot of it is just you know, it's not thinking for yourself, but as you mentioned, I think a lot of it is too. People just don't want to like, they don't want to put themselves out there to like think for themselves. It's just, it's, it's easier and it's easier for the ego to just kind of be like, well, I believe this because, you know, Dr. Fauci said so, you know, like just, just because like, so-and-so said this, I'm just going to believe it as opposed to like going in and doing any kind of, you know, research for yourself, whether or not you're, you know, a scientist or a doctor. So. And I think exactly. And I think that, well, that leads me to my favorite part in your book. And then it's, um, it's in chapter seven and it's about the individual and humanism. Right. And it's about, and this is something that I have always, um, probably comes down to my parents, I think, um, ultimately as a quality, but like I was raised to always like think for myself, right. To, find the answers on. And if you do arrive at the same conclusion as someone in authority, great. Yeah. Typically in my case, not true, but you know, it could happen, I guess, theoretically. Um, but I think it's important to, especially when it comes to something like your health, like do your own research, like try to understand, like maybe you didn't go to med school, but like, I don't know, like, don't you, I mean, for me, it's like, I, I have enough confidence in my own, uh, abilities and my own intelligence to know that if I really want to figure something out, I can figure it out. I can learn it. Like, you know, I, I'm not sure I have the, you know, desire to get to the, you know, attend, get, get, you know, medical school amount of knowledge right now. But I think when it comes to something that's affecting you and understanding like how it, you know, works within your body, then, you know, like, isn't it worth it to research it? Like I'll research it to death till I understand it. Like, um, because I think it's important, but I, I will say that's probably, that's a quality that there's, I think it's underrated, like people really thinking for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. it gets a lot easier, especially, you know, probably the last few years, um, or more so it's getting, I mean, I think people are getting a little bit lazier in general, right? It's like you do, you have a phone, social media telling you everything you need to know what you, how you need, what you, what you need to wear, what you need to think, what you need to do. Right. It's, it's so easy, right. It takes, uh, it takes courage to think for yourself now. And like you have to consciously make a choice that I think a lot of people don't, um, they don't want to make because it's harder. It's harder. People don't want to do the hard thing typically. For sure. And, And a lot of times, you know, unfortunately like the, the, the best thing to do is the thing that doesn't feel the easiest. Right. And it's like the hardest yes. thing. Like, you know, when we, when we have to make those like little small decisions as we go into anything, right. Like, yeah, you know, y- you going back to, you know, the beginning of your career, right. Like would, would it have been, you know, easier for you to, you know, to go into this like industry where there's not a lot of women and especially like, as you mentioned, like the industry, the, the energy industry. I mean, I kind of know, um, a little bit about how that is. So, I mean, that, that's definitely like a boys club, you know, you got a bunch of like, you know, Texans with their cowboy boots, like, like 
out in uh you know putting their putting their boots up on the desk with their rattlesnake skins and like it 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 really is a club oh, yeah. and then um you know you you could have kind of like said i'm gonna i'm gonna go a different route uh but you know instead you decided to kind of follow you know follow your own passion follow your own um thoughts and go in and forge your own trail and i, I definitely think that's something that's just lacking in general, right? I, I think like the human psyche much prefers to go along the beaten path and probably, probably always has to some extent. I think, I think so. And I think those are the kind of people that I, you know, I think why I found your book. So, you know, your, your story and your book. So intriguing is like, I don't think there's a, a lot of people out there who kind of like, I find it rare. And those are the kind of people that I admire and I find interesting, right? Like just decide to do something different like think for themselves and and decide to follow you know a different passion or or do something differently or um you know that are truly innovative because i don't think that um i think that there's it, it just has become very easy i think to be um intellectually lazy um as much as it is to be like physically lazy it, it's just the brain is the same thing as your body like it takes effort to work that muscle and to think and to question and to challenge and um i think that's something that um i think maybe i always questioned authority though according to my parents but i think you know definitely it is probably one of the reasons like i decided to to go the path that i did which is like i want to model you know are some people going to have an issue with that? Uh, sure. But am I going to do that anyway? Yes. Because the people who would have an issue with it would be the ones that I think want to try to keep things the same. And maybe that dynamic doesn't work for me. Maybe it's not the best dynamic, but I think we should be open to, to challenging and to having more dialogue than we are. Like I do remember even like now, and this was actually in your book is like, I think even just 20 years ago, it was a lot more acceptable to have conversations where you would challenge each other about viewpoints than mm -hmm. it is now. Like, I think now it's almost like almost too, too polarized, right? Like it's become right. simplified into like good and evil versus well, why do you think that? Or why do you have an issue with that? Like, what is your concern, right? Like digging deeper, it's almost like um, become harder to do that maybe in some ways. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I do kind of make that argument in the book too with uh, polarization in, in, in general is that <clears throat> it, it's really interesting in, in this world of information where you know, 60 years ago, right? Like everybody kind of watched the same news. They read the same newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone kind of had like the, a, a more of a shared collective consciousness. And with the advent of social media and just the way that information mm -hmm. spreads, that how many books there are, the access to information that we have, it's like there are an infinite amount of realities or kind of worlds that you can live in as far as your consumption. However, despite the fact that there's more variety, yeah. there's more voices, we've become like more fixated on, as you mentioned, like, you know, black or white, left or right, uh, you know, like good versus evil, as opposed to like understanding that there's so much complexity, there's so many different viewpoints, 
that we need to have more of an open mind. It's like this, this information overload has kind of driven people into like a place of safety where it's like either this or that. I agree a hundred percent. I think that's exactly what's happened is like, instead of the access to information leading people to understand that so many of these things are complex or they're nuanced or, you know, they're so multifaceted instead, it's almost like our brains went too much must categorize black and white, you know, good or bad. And yeah. I will refuse to see anything um, to the contrary, or I'll become like irate at the idea of someone like questioning my thoughts, which is, I think almost maybe why it's a good time for like that, that inner work or that personal development, you know, because I think mm -hmm. I, I feel like um, maybe trying to think when I was dealing probably like 10 years ago, I think I would find that it was more common that um, people would sort of like debate or they'd challenge or you talk about policy or, you know, people would sort of have this like healthy debate with each other. I found that like less and less do people want to do that, you know, which almost kind of makes you just go, well, then I'm, you know, I'm going to focus on my own inner world or my own development. And, um, I hope that doesn't last. I hope that's not a permanent societal shift because it's, I think it, um, I think it's not healthy personally, but that's just, you know, it's my opinion, but I, I, I hope that doesn't last. Yeah. Hope we get back to a point where like, you know, dialogue about different options and, and more of an open mind becomes commonplace. Definitely. I, I think it's very, very much needed, very much uh, lacking in our society. And I guess like that, that kind of brings up one of the other questions I had for you. It's kind of interrelated is <clears throat> so like specifically for you, I know that you said that you had, you know, like some, like, I guess some kind of a uh, body image issues and things that was mm -hmm. part of the motivator for, you know, getting into the modeling. But, you know, yeah. specifically like in your thought process or like as you're kind of like evolving, going through life, like, you know, what what was it aside from just kind of that, like, I guess that rebel spirit that you said you've always had a little bit that that made you ultimately kind of say, like, screw the rules or like screw the way that it's supposed to be. I'm going to do this my way. Right. I'm going to forge my own path. It's a good question. I don't know if it was so much like one singular thing that got me to that point. I think it was probably um, a period of reflection, like during, uh, you know, probably during the pandemic and like really thinking mm -hmm. about what would, you know, what does make me happy? What are goals that I have for myself? Like, what are things that I want to achieve? Um, and really thinking about that and then thinking, okay, well, I'm, you know, if that's, you know, if that's point B and I'm at point A, like, how do I get to that point? And I think one of the things for me was like, you know, and, and I think a lot of it was, you know, societal probably like in the former Soviet union where I'm from, like, it sort of is expected that women be, um, beautiful and 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 smart and healthy and all of these things and like this whole list of completely unrealistic expectations of you know perfection that like the soviet state wanted right mm -hmm. of of all its citizens 
And then, and then I think there's societal pressure in America. I think like kind of when I was um, growing up, it was like, you know, everybody was like stick thin, like you needed to be stick thin. And that's just not naturally, you know, what I'd look like, you know, I could work out, you know, I could literally not eat. Like I always would be kind of like on the curvier side. And I do think that especially for women who are curvy or, you know, have like a fuller bust or like a certain body type, society just loves to stereotype them. They just love to put you in a box specifically that is like um, hypersexualized or oversexualized and like put you there and keep you there. And I think that ultimately like, that just pissed me off. Like it was almost like getting to a point where something like makes you angry that like you were just like, I'm so sick of this. And I think Mm -hmm. part of it was like, I, you know, I actually had a job at one point in my career where like I had to, like, I was always so worried about being covered up enough at work. And like, yes, of course you want to dress appropriately for whatever setting you're in. Like, you know, I'm not saying don't wear, you know, bikini to work, Jesus. But like, I think, (laughs) um, But I do think like I always felt this like need to to like hide because, you know, I was like, oh, I wouldn't be taken seriously enough or I won't be seen as a professional or and I was like, you get to the point where it's like, who makes these rules? Like the this is like what people look like, like you can't tell them that like the way that they look puts them automatically it, or the way that they like to look, right? Like, I mean, maybe it's it, it's their choice means that they're not, you know, smart or they're not accomplished or or they're not, you know, capable of certain things. And that's just bullshit. Like, you can't be living in 2023 and that be the case. And I think that's one of the things that um, why, you know, specifically, like, I like lingerie. I like swimwear. Those are the things I, you know, I like to model. Those are things I like. Like, you don't have to be... Um, but one of the, but I think what's tricky though, and in my case especially, is then it leads people down a path of exactly my point, which is like, um, you know, assuming that everyone has an OnlyFans or they're in the adult industry or doing whatever, and that mm-hmm. is just literally proves my point that like that's exactly the the stereotype is like people will assume if you, um, you know, look a certain way that you like are in the adult industry, which is insane. But that's, that's the stereotype that people go to. And it's one of the reasons like I'm so vocal on my page is like, do not have an OnlyFans, do not do adult content. It does not exist. You will not find it. Stop asking. Like it gets me to the point where I'm like, don't know how much more clear I can make it. Like it really is crystal at this point. Like could not make it more clear people will still will still ask because they because they think like everything has a price and they've just been conditioned to believe that like yeah that that's the the end goal that everyone you know that every woman that posts any kind of anything you know on instagram or you know tiktok or whatever that that that's the end point and and that actually like that brings up like that was one of my questions that i had for you you know specifically because like you know, you're super, super vocal about that. I mean, you're like constantly posting something like once a week where you're like, Hey, you know, don't have an only fans. Like, this is just, you know, something that I do because I'm passionate about. And, um, yeah. you know, do you, do you feel, 
because I, I look at like, you know, like the spread of like porn and OnlyFans and things. And I, I yeah. see that the way that, you know, and, and like, you know, Instagram is part of it too. But like, I think that it's really harmful to women because they, they kind of get like an un like an unrealistic expectation of how they're supposed to look because it gives a really like you're seeing like the, the top 1% of all the pages, right? Because of the way the algorithm works. So you're seeing like yeah. the, the most beautiful women with the most touched up, you know, and the best photographers and the best lighting and the best production yeah. teams. And you're seeing that and you're an average woman and you're comparing yourself to that, but not just for women, men are seeing the same thing. So then they're thinking yeah. like, oh, this is how a woman's supposed to look. This is how every woman looks. Um, and I think about the same thing with like OnlyFans. I mean, I, I think that OnlyFans is like really harmful, you know, for men, you know, and I'll, I'll say that from a man's perspective, but what do you yeah. think about like for women, do you think it's harmful for the women that, you know, are participating in that stuff too? Or do you think it just depends on the person or? You know, it's interesting. I think I have a very specific viewpoint on it. That's very nuanced because of, um, so when I, did my undergraduate, my graduate work, I specifically focused on human sex trafficking because mm -hmm. it's a really big problem in Moldova, like where I'm from. So where I was born, um, you know, there's plenty of, you know, beautiful women with unfortunate financial circumstances who fall prey to traffickers. So it's something that like I have researched, I have interviewed women, I have interviewed sex workers at brothels in London, like conducting research for the National Health Service, because I speak Russian to understand, right, like the journey, right, how someone um, sort of ends up there. Whether OnlyFans is inherently good or bad depends on the person and depends on their circumstances. Like I think if someone, if a woman, you know, finds it empowering, then I think that's great. I think that whatever the individual, you know, person feels about it, that's good. I do think though that there is, um, there is, I think of, it's, it's not even really a fine line, which is why I don't think it, I, I, I don't understand how it gets confusing for people. There is modeling and there is sex work. They are different things. Right. They are not close in my mind. Like they are like, if you partner with a brand to showcase what, um, for example, lingerie will look like on someone of my size, right? That is very different than like exchange of, of, you know, of money for, you know, something. Right. right. And, you know, I think that, and I, I want to be careful in how I phrase this because it is such a touchy subject, but, sure. but I think to me, like, I do not wish to confuse the two. I think they are different. And like, for me, it's strange that I think a lot of people assume, like, if you are a model, like, and you model like lingerie, that, that means that, that you, you know, do this they're not the same they're very different like you know like they're the, the you know victoria's secret models or you know other big brand models they're not you know you you don't you don't go to their only the fans <laughs> yeah right you don't and, and they're not the same you know and right. i so i think that um you know so so i think that 
that's one thing because it, it, you know, it is and the history of it, like it is a hub, you know, for people who that is their profession to make money. And I think that if that is their chosen profession, I do not have an issue with it. Like, there's no, I'm not a judgmental person whatsoever. Like if that's your path, like live free, do whatever. Um, but I, I am very mindful of it because I don't want people to have, um, to, to make like part of one of my points is that, um, in terms of like embracing our bodies and women finding like the ability to feel comfortable with their curves and with their bodies, part of it is like that we don't stereotype them, that we don't automatically assume and put them in this box. And so I think that's one of the reasons I'm so vocal about it is um, I don't have one for the reason that I think that people would assume that there's like pornographic content, which I do not make, you know, I, you know, or, or will ever make to be clear. Um, but I think that people would make that assumption. And that I think, even though OnlyFans can be used as a platform to just like engage with your fans or give them like a sneak peek into behind the scenes content, you know, because Instagram is, you know, increasingly conservative with like what they'll flag, even if it's not, you know, sexual mm -hmm. at all in nature. Like if that's, you can use it so many different ways, but, in, but I think that commonly people will make the assumption that it's, you know, for this purpose. And that's just not the kind of content that I make. So I want to be clear about that, that it's, you know, modeling and, you know, or, and sex work or, you know, the adult film industry, they're very different things. And I, you know, I, I do find that the people who I think find it more confusing, I think there's a cultural barrier. I think it is typically more because, you know, Instagram is a, is a global platform. I think there are cultural norms in other, um, in other countries that differ from America's. And so I think that sometimes, you know, people will, you know, see a woman that's wearing lingerie and, you know, maybe for them that automatically means something different than it sure. does here. Hopefully I've navigated that minefield successfully, but that was hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, I think it, I think the reason that it's hard is because we're, you're essentially trying to like explain and deconstruct what we've been talking about a lot through the show, which is the, yeah. the, the human laziness to yeah. just want to categorize, um, yes. you know, if, if I see, you know, a woman wearing a on Instagram and posting a, then, you know, B leads me to the only fans link, you know, in, in the bio or whatever. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, as we already mentioned, right. Like things are a lot more complicated than that. Like even, you know, when I ask you a question about, you know, what do you, what do you think about like the ethical ramifications of, you know, it, it's a complicated thing. And I think, uh, and I talk about this in the book too. Uh, but I think something that we just like, should be okay with is just sometimes being like, man, that's complicated. Like, I don't know, is there, yeah, there is no like right or wrong answer for, for one person, you know, maybe yeah. it would be very disruptive and harmful for, for someone else. Maybe not. I think we can look at trends in society and we can say that, yeah. you know, on a trend or in, in general, you know, a, a may be true or B may be true, but you just can't make the assumption that there's like a, an old philosophy thing about where they talk about, you know, the, the black swan that you can, you can see a million white swans in a row, but you can't say just because you've seen a million white swans that there's no black swan. 
because you know the second that you right. do you go to you know some remote part of australia where there's this really rare black swan probably in it, australia too probably yeah, there <laughs> yeah and it and it disproves everything that you you've thought right so like as much as we have to rely on um you know inductive and deductive reasoning to say that i've seen this over and over and over it it's it is very like intellectually lazy to just assume that because you've seen something that it's it's always going to be that way um it's it's definitely true it's like it, and i think that is really the answer is like it's complicated i think that for some people um you know maybe uh, you know some users even like you know they might have an addictive personality and for them like that kind of content might be addictive and like it could be really negative for them I don't know. For some people, it's not. They get to engage with their favorite creator. And, you know, I think that uh, in that way, like, you know, yeah, I really wish there was a platform where I could just, like, engage with fans and, you know, maybe show more, like, behind-the-scenes content that they that maybe, like, I wouldn't put on Instagram because, like, God knows their algorithm might flag the fact that, like, I'm a woman, like, wearing, you know... I mean, I had a post flag that was me wearing jeans, you know, so who knows, right? Maybe just yeah. flagged for being a woman because the algorithm does like tends to, you know, scientifically, like it does flag women more so than men. Like you could be wearing um, like swim trunks and I could be wearing a bikini. I will get flagged more than you would, you know, 100% always. So that, you know, I wish there was like a way to do that and maybe OnlyFans. And I know there's a lot of people that do use OnlyFans that way. And I think that's great. I just think that primarily what people know it for is right. um, adult content. And I just want to be like really clear with people that I don't, you know, I don't make that kind of content and it's not for sale. Like, sure. but I think that I think a lot of people still will, um, will, it's just, it's really strange. Like people will still keep certain, no matter how many times I tell them it doesn't exist. It just truly does not exist. Like they'll still search, ask, like, it's just very strange. Like, yeah. I mean, truly like if it was there and I wanted to make money off of it, like, wouldn't I tell you, like, wouldn't I right. advertise it? Like, I don't know, but it's, I think that that, that is the thing is like, I just want to make sure to delineate that like there are different, like modeling and is, is different from, you know, potentially these other things like sure. laundry models are not all um, doing pornography. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with the, you know, with the, with the industry or with, with porn in general. Like I think everyone has to decide for themselves. I'm not for it or against it. I don't believe one way or another. It's an individual decision, but I think that like, for some reason social media has sort of like warped it into like, if you like wear lingerie, then you must have an OnlyFans link somehow. Right. People have decided that. And it's just really strange to me. Well, we, we have to realize too, like, you know, even like, like in general, right. I, I, I think in general, very general terms, even though I use social media, frequently to yeah. pr promote my stuff to, you know, to try to put different things out into the world. You know, I, I think that like in general, I, I think that social media is, is pretty harmful for human beings. Like um, now, now that being said, 
Um, while I acknowledge that, I, I also think that everything is a double-edged sword, right? I mean, yeah. social media has also been able to produce a lot of good. It, it's able to, yeah. um, to, to spread information, um, sometimes bad information, sometimes good information, sometimes information that's yeah. not being shown in the real media is, is able to spread through social media. Um, so it, it opens up a channel of communication. Um, it, it allows uh, alternative views to mm-hmm. be spread where, you know, if you have a idea that maybe isn't mainstream, maybe you would never find a platform or a voice on mainstream media, but, you know, on social media, you can go in and someone that, you know, was a nurse for, for six years that just started studying philosophy because he was interested in it is able right. to, you know, self-publish a book on Amazon, garner, you know, a, a fair bit of support and, you know, run a successful Instagram page. Um, so it's, you know, look, it, it's, uh, it's kind of like the gun debate and, you know, I have no idea where you yeah. fall on the gun debate thing, but at the end of the day, right? Like I know people say it and some people hate the term guns don't kill people. People kill people, right? Like a gun can be used yes. for home defense. It can be used yes. for the defense of your country. It can be used for oppression. It can be used for, uh, murder, just, just senseless violence. Right. Yeah. Um, Social media, right? The same thing, you know, it can, it can be used for good in the world and it can be used at the, the detriment of the world at the same time. And I think it get, that gets to your point though, that you talk about in the, in the book that is my favorite part where it talks about like the individual, because it's kind of like what you said, right? People do, individuals do, right? They make the, the decision. But I think that the, the issue is, is like less and less people I think value themselves as individuals right and like their own Mm -hmm. you know their own journey and their own opinions right of what they think and like really becoming being free thinkers and thinking for themselves and so i think that in, in a way social media can be used for good or bad it depends on us but it it sort of is a barometer i think in some ways for like kind of where society is like where most people are as individuals are they choosing to be like to be thinking freely exploring different viewpoints because social media can be positive in the sense that like you could discover um you know you can choose from you know one thing that i'm passionate about right is like um you know body positivity and mental health and you can choose to follow creators who are you know, different sizes and, you know, different ethnicities and really like surround yourself with diversity of viewpoints. Like personally, I love uh, exploring and looking at things and people that I like don't agree with. Like I want to understand the other viewpoint. I enjoy that. Like that Mm -hmm. for me is interesting. So it's like, but do we use this, you know, wealth of information to broaden our viewpoint or do we just go like, okay, well then I'm going to follow everyone who's just like me and then we'll all agree and then we'll all be on the same page. Excellent. Like it, it depends on the person, um, like how they choose to utilize um, social media and like, yeah, on a, on a broader scale, I think. So, and I, and I do think that like that could be the same for a platform like, um, you know, like OnlyFans, like where you could use it. Like there are people on there who, <coughs> You know, it can be used to support your favorite, like fitness creator. You know, you could subscribe to their classes. You could do all of these things. And like, you know, for me, 
like I joined the Playboy Centerfold platform for a period of time because I was like, oh, it's going to be something different. It's going to be something more like engaging with your fans and you, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to necessarily have like certain connotations tied to it, but then it quickly became very much exactly the same. So I was like, right, sure. I'm out. Um, it's not something I'm interested in. So I think that's the thing is that people will, individuals will determine like which way it goes. Yeah. There, there's two, two little like quick side points I want to hop up. One, I was going to tell you, you should check out Substack. Um, so yeah, so Substack is where I'm essentially like launching my podcast out of, um, I'm mainly using it as an RSS feed so I can upload like my, my, um, my podcast to it. And then it basically pushes it out to Spotify and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Pandora and Apple and everywhere. Um, but it has some other really cool features. Like it has a, like a newsletter feature. So it sends out emails to like subscribers, but something you might be interested in is it does have um, the ability to set up like a, a subscription where, you know, there's, you can set up tiers where like you could do behind the scenes things and um, you know, you can interact, people can send you emails, they can do comments. So yeah. it, it kind of creates your own little like environment that you can filter and control a little bit, you know, and obviously you get total control over the content and pricing and all that, but um, oh, I, like know, that. I haven't See, been that's... using it. Yeah. That is the, and that's the kind of thing that, like, I think that, you know, um, OnlyFans can also be used that way. It's just, you know, it's kind of like what I, you know, when I post about it, I've said, not that I think the platform was exclusively for that, but I think people would expect a mm-hmm. certain kind of content. And um, I wish that, like, wasn't the case. But, um, you know, I think you know, it also comes down to, to like time, you know, the time it takes to, to sure. kind of manage something like that and interact with people. And, um, you know, for those that don't know, a lot of times, like the, the people you think you're talking to, right. You're not really talking to them. Yeah. They have like agencies where they just like hire people yeah. in like Thailand to just, to just respond to messages for like, you know, 50 cents an hour or something. Right. And I think like, exactly like for me, um, I think part of like starting this journey and, and modeling and maybe going more, I don't like the word influencer, but I guess like that route is, do you always want to make sure like I'm authentic? And if it's like, you know, I think when it gets to that point, um, I couldn't like genuinely and authentically, you know, have the kind of conversations that I think some people expect on that platform. And I think like, that's like a, you know, a boundary that everybody has to determine for themselves, like where their comfort level is. You know, the, the, the other point that I wanted to bring up too, that, you know, just kind of was like popped into my head as you were talking too. you know, we, we talk about like mental laziness and kind of like the Mm -hmm. default and we, we generally default to the easy thing. Right. And I like how you mentioned, like, you can kind of like your experience of Instagram, right? Like I say, you know, Hey, it's not, Instagram's not good or bad. I think generally it's bad, but maybe the reason that I think generally it's bad is because most people default towards habits on Instagram that feel good in the moment, but are actually like more harmful. Right. So the same way that we got onto the world and, you know, you're like, okay, I can eat healthy or I can eat something bad. If I eat something healthy, I have a delayed sense of like gratification 
where I don't get to experience like the immediate like hit of, you know, dopamine and satisfaction. Yeah. So you eat the bad food and it's kind of the same thing on Instagram, right? It's like, it may not be as entertaining to get on and follow a bunch of people that are into like body positivity or people who are into like, you know, political mm -hmm. discussions or, you know, ancient philosophy or <laughs> whatever it is. Right. Um, but those are the things that maybe would, you know, not give you the same hit, but are more rewarding and would actually lead you to having a positive experience overall through Instagram versus <laughs> just following a bunch of like, you know, a bunch of naked women with OnlyFans links and following a bunch of like uh, celebrity gossip and following a bunch of, you know, people screaming at each other about politics and, you know, fights yes. in a schoolyard. Um, so maybe that's it, right? Like maybe that, it, maybe I really don't think that Instagram is generally bad. I think it's maybe that like our, our focus or the place that we puts our, put our efforts and our attention into tend to gravitate us towards like more of the negative as opposed to like the things that allow us to flourish as human beings. Yep. It depends on the individual. Like I think for yeah. me, so, so, you know, in full transparency, like before I became, you know, I started like modeling and, um, you know, really using Instagram as a way to like, you know, showcase my work. And one of the reasons I like modeling in general is like, I think there's a lot of creativity and like a lot of the photo shoots that I do are like outdoors. Like I love adventuring, like I love rock climbing, like, you know, I love to do stuff like that where I'll be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to do a lingerie shoot, but I want to do it in Joshua tree, you know, and like mm -hmm. doing stuff like that before that, how much did I really consume social media? Truthfully, very little. Yeah. Before I became a creator, I didn't like, um, and, and I know like I would, you know, one of my um, closest friends, she would set like time limits for her, you know, like of how she, much she was on it. And I was like, and she was like, well, how much do you spend on it? And like, we looked it up and it was like four minutes, like a day, like maybe I would spend on, on Instagram which it's not a, a lot, you know, because I'd like go on there, like see what people are doing and I'd be like, right, I'm done. Um, but now that I've been on it more and more, I actually think there's like, it, it's actually really, um, it can actually be really cool because I think you can follow, like I, I, in addition to ancient philosophy, I also like archaeology and like a lot of you know sort of alternative like theories on history and like things like that like really diving into that so I follow a lot of those kind of things and so that's like some of the stuff that pops up on my feed where I'll be like whoa they discovered like new like new Mayan ruins like where like I, and I don't know if necessarily I would get that news otherwise right. if I wasn't following like that account right I wouldn't necessarily find out about like this cool new place that I want to travel to if I wasn't, um, you know, getting an alert about it or like following an account that highlights like cool places to go in Belize or something like that. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing about the algorithm is it, it just gives you more of what you want. So yeah. if you're seeking that like dopamine hit, you're seeking like that, like entertainment in, you know, the lowest form of the word then that's yeah. what it's going to feed you. But if you're, if you're looking for things that are, you know, if, if you go on Instagram and you search nothing but, you know, self-help videos for a couple days that the algorithm will start to feed you more of what you're looking for. So, yeah, 
I, you know, I, I know this like intuitively, but I haven't really like sat down and thought about its larger implications, but it, you know, definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, I think the algorithm though is inherently flawed. So mm -hmm. there's also that part of it. And that's like one of the things that I um, was uh, like really in particular, like frustrated about um, a couple of weeks ago uh, where like when I talked to like CNBC, because I was like, I'm so annoyed at how the algorithm will like categorize things in a way that is like inherently uh, like stereotyping women like it literally does that it, and it's so it's kind of like that it doesn't have the nuance of a human being to understand that something is complex right like it just automatically sure. says like wearing you know female like wearing less than you know xyz like is you know sexual and i think that like i hope that as a society we can be more advanced about what is sexual content and what isn't i hope yeah, yeah um i i would say that you know like with all the stuff that's happening in ai right now it, it might get yeah it might get worse because it seems like as Probably. like as as time goes on it seems that we're going to be outsourcing more and more to ai which um, yeah. seems only capable of like, at least right now, kind of operating in the parameters that people set for it. So, um, which is interesting. Cause right. Like we're talking about this, this whole thing. And the whole reason I started this is because I was like, I didn't like the way that, you know, society puts women in these boxes and maybe I, AI will just do it. We'll just do it for us. You know, I yeah. don't know not super optimistic, but I think that that was the whole, the, the whole point was like in, 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 for me in trying to show, like explore different aspects of myself and like, uh, and, and kind of show that maybe a, a woman or not maybe, but that a woman can, you know, look this way, be these things and should feel empowered to like embrace their body. And also that like, you know, you don't, um, and I, I do follow a lot of other kind of creators similar to myself who kind of talk about this, like, you know, a woman is not worth more or less based on like what she's wearing. And I do think that that is mm -hmm. like the other aspect of it is, you know, um, if you're wearing a bikini or you're you know, modeling a bikini, doesn't make you inherently like deserving of less like respect in how you're treated than someone who's wearing, you know, long sleeves and jeans. Right. And, and I, like, I, I hope that, you know, human beings can differentiate that, but maybe AI can't, can't. I don't I, know. I, I do think you're, I mean, it, it's definitely a good point, right? I, I think um, just summing up again, what I think we keep coming back to is just this idea that we need to classify, right? And, um, we, we need more free thinking. We need more ability as human beings to yeah. look at things, to identify that they're complicated, to look at someone, not necessarily jump to conclusions or assumptions based on the way they look or what their career is or, uh, yeah. you know, what they're, what they're wearing. Um, you know, these, these things are not what makes up a human being. Um, 
Yeah, those are the things that make up an AI. And I like that's yeah. the question is like, aren't we better than an AI? I would hope. But right. but I you know, I I'm just gonna leave it at that. I hope. You know, and and I think that like that is um sort of like my point in all this is like, you know, I hope that people can be a fan and, uh, and, and follow along like my journey and enjoy, you know, photo shoots and, you know, be interested in the, um, like in the, the brands or like the point and the mission of like, hopefully other women will maybe see that like, they don't have to, you know, hide their bodies or feel like ashamed that they have curves or like a fuller bust or feel uncomfortable with the way that they look because, you know, they don't have to like think twice before, you know, oh, is it okay if I like wear a bikini or am I automatically going to be like treated a certain way? Um, I mean, I think, I hope that it makes a difference, but um, I'm a cautious optimist, I think. I'm with you. And I think that's a good place to, to kind of leave the whole conversation too, is just like, is, is hope, right? As I talked about in, you know, my book, like there's this spirit, this, like this human spirit, this ingenuity, the ability for us to survive and, you know, all the things that as a species we've gone through and overcome and found solutions for, I think that, you know, it is very easy to focus on, you know, negatives, but I do think that, you know, collectively we've, we've always persisted, um, even when things have looked at their worst. And I think that, uh, yeah. I'm sure that we will we will figure figure out the biggest answers right that we can at some point. Um, Agreed. I, I want to hop into the section now, you know, where we we kind of talk about um, just you know I have like these set questions that I like to ask all my oh, guests. Right. Um, I would like to ask first. So, and we've talked about this a little bit. So you know maybe maybe you're going to repeat it a little bit, um, or you could just say, hey, we've already kind of covered it, but. You know, most people that have been successful at something and have done anything worth worth of note, you know, they experienced a moment and, you know, you talked about um, kind of like self-reflection, right? You, you hit a wall, you hit a rock bottom, you experience a big failure or setback. It causes you to look within, it causes you to make a shift within yourself and it, it creates kind of like a, a personal renaissance for you. So um, I was curious, you know, if there's any moments like that in your life, like maybe one in particular that stands out that was particularly transformative and meaningful for you in your journey. Yeah, I mean, I've had, uh, I've had a lot um, of those kind of moments because I have had like kind of a interesting life. So I've kind of like, you know, lived abroad done some interesting things. Um, and I think, uh, but probably the most significant and like relevant here was just, um, you know, when you have the sort of, uh, you know, circumstances like COVID, right. Where things are literally outside of your control, right. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You do not have control over your circumstances. Right. Um, what do you choose to do? And like when I have done a lot of public speaking um, and like in involvement with UCLA, for example, like I talk a lot about like you, 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 you do always like things can suck, but you, you do always have the power to choose how mm -hmm. you react 
it's a really yeah. like you are never really powerless even when it feels right like you are like i'm completely powerless you you really aren't because you you always do have a choice in how you're going to respond to that and how you're are you going to respond are you going to react like what's going to be your path and that i think for me it was uh that was a, a moment of like you you know don't have a lot of choices a lot of your choices that you used to make are no longer on the table for you right the things you took for granted like being able to go somewhere being able to do this to be able to do, to do that and so it was like okay well i'm going to use this as an opportunity to choose uh positive things for myself i'm going to work out like and that and that was one of the things that i like chose for myself like instead of like sitting at home and being like i'm going to binge you know everything on netflix like i started like a really aggressive workout routine um because i was like i have the time finally like i don't have that excuse of like i don't have time i got to commute i'm tired and this and that you know and like i used that time to like really get in shape and like think about like what goals um you know, I have for myself all those things that I'd been like putting off because I was too busy, right? It was always too busy because my job kept me so busy. You know, well, guess what? You're not that busy anymore, you know? So you don't have an right. excuse. And so like, that was my, uh, like a big turning point. And like, what do I, uh, like, what am I going to choose for myself? Like, what do I want for my life? Like, what are the things that I value that I want more of? um and like what's important to me and one of the things that came out of it was like you know there's a lot of things i've achieved but i still like you know at that point like didn't really feel comfortable with my own body like i didn't feel comfortable like i always felt like i kind of had to either like cover up or like i just didn't feel the sense of freedom in my own body that i felt maybe in my own like intelligence or like professionalism like i felt like a certain confidence about those things that i didn't feel about my body and mm -hmm. i realized that like i need to change that because that's kind of a big deal but i didn't really you know it's like in modern society you're so busy or we tell ourselves we're so busy right we don't really take the time to think about like what uh like to, to like check in with ourselves about some of those things. And so that was my, that was my moment to think about like, what do I want differently for myself? And like, what is like, and, and it was hard. Like it was, it's not a comfortable thing to admit that to yourself. Right. You're not like, mm -hmm. Oh wow. I really feel like shit about my body. Great. Like, no, it sucks. You know, you're like, damn it. Like I, this, this is not, not good. It's like, it's uncomfortable to face those things. But I'm glad I did because, like, if, you know, five years ago, you would not have found me, um, like, uh, like in a bikini on a beach. No way. There would have right. been no way. I would have been like that. I'm not wearing that. Right? Like, much less, like, posing for, like, someone I, you know, with a photographer or someone brand new, you know, in lingerie. Like, I never would have had that confidence like in myself and my body to to do that but it's yeah but you have to put in the work like it doesn't just like one day you know you feel comfortable like you're gonna feel uncomfortable before you get to the point you know you're gonna have to push your comfort zone before you get to the point 
but I'm glad I did. Um, definitely. Cause I think then that confidence spreads to like other parts of your life, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't realize I was even like lacking in some ways. Yeah. It's, it's just a very long winded answer, but that's it. No. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of power at being, um, in, in kind of digging deep and discovering and look who, who we are is dynamic. It's changing. It's, it's very complex, right? I, I don't like, you know, yeah. don't like to classify myself, but when, when you can identify something deep within that is maybe more authentic to your, your vision of yourself or your, your concept of self, and you can, um, you can tap into that. That's very, it's very powerful. It's definitely powerful. And I, I think that you're right that the, a lot of those moments, it, it comes from those like moments of introspection that causes you to kind of question. And I, I think it's the similar thing for me is that you, you know, you, you're just moving, 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 going a million miles an hour, busy in life yeah. and you hit a wall and you stop for a second, you take a breath, you look at your life, you look at your trajectory and you say that there's something that's not congruent with you know, yeah. who I am right now, the way that I'm living and who I, I think I have the potential to be. Yeah. Who you have the potential to be. That's like the really, the really powerful thing is like recognizing that you, you, and really believing it, right. Like that you do have the potential to be, do, you know, whatever that is, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. why I, talk a lot about like you know do a lot of like boudoir photo shoots the whole point of them right the whole purpose of them people sometimes ask like well what does that even mean what is a boudoir photo shoot it's like meant to be an empowering experience for whoever doesn't have to be a woman right but for women especially right that might be like one of the first times that they feel like confident or sexy or comfortable in their own skin it's important to feel those things. Like, can you, you know, and I didn't, I didn't even realize like you spend your whole like every day in day out, like in this body, right? Like this, this is your like vessel vehicle, whatever. You don't feel good about that. Then that has like a, a ripple effect on everything else. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's like, that was the moment where you could, I could actually like slow down enough to, to like think for a second and like recognize some things that I wasn't happy about. And sometimes that only happens when something forces us to stop. Yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what happens is there, there's something that forces kind of a lull there. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you too about um, like, you know, daily habits. I always like to ask people about daily habits because, you know, Again, not trying to classify everyone, but your habits are really, really, really important in, in the, yeah. the legacy that you leave and the skills that you develop and the way that you live your life. Um, you know, do, do you have any daily habits that you run through? Yeah, I think like one of the most important ones for me um, is I'm trying to think like. Uh, by no means am I like advocating that everyone should do this, but it's something that like uh, works for me is like, I um, like choose like not to drink alcohol. It's just a choice that I made like a long time ago. Um, You know, not because of any like issue with it, but because I was like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, 
the it's recognizing like is this habit gonna get me to where I want to be right and like you know the time you spend like going out for drinks with friends and then like doing that is like that's time I could have spent like working out reading like learning something different you know the time you spend kind of like partying and doing whatever is not spent on like fulfillment or, or personal development so it was like it was more it's more not so much a daily habit it's it's a daily thing that I don't do you know mm-hmm. more of something like that like I just um like I kind of realized I was like I don't think that um that's like a, a habit that becomes like really um I think a lot of people don't even realize like how much of their time is spent like doing that versus something to get them to where they want to be in life right and so for me it was like uh recognizing that you know instead of doing that like i'm gonna choose to like cook a healthy dinner you know like and i eat like super healthy like i got a nutritional therapist certification in my own time and like really learned the ins and outs of like what makes us feel our best like what makes us feel like healthy and like what's better for my body and I think that for me it was like one of those things where I was like that's just something I'm not gonna do I'm gonna choose other things instead um to be like you know to be healthier and that was like it was kind of funny like once I made the decision I was like I'm just gonna do this for a little while and then like you just kind of realize you're like wow no I like kind of happy with that decision that's a that's a good so it's yeah. like that's that's it yeah i um it's my big one i think i've just kind of always been on like the no alcohol train like i think it, like i can count on one hand the amount of times i've been like intoxicated my whole my whole life and you know like every, every yeah. once in a while you know like my fiance and i like we go out i'll have a you know i have a glass of wine and i never drink so it's like one glass of wine has me just like super giggly and um probably but, <laughs> probably yeah. yeah but like when you never do it i mean it's just i mean i i guess i take it for granted how much time i haven't spent doing that because i just i just don't do it but yeah i mean it's yeah. like and you know you're not very productive generally when you're drunk either so it's not like you're just losing the right. time that you spent going out and getting drinks but you're like you're losing that time you're losing the time that you're like too intoxicated to function you're hung over the next day so you're not at your best and um you know exactly. it is uh I, I think it you know look it doesn't have to be a harmful thing but i i do agree that i think we probably are generally a lot more productive without alcohol not, not a lot of good comes out of it i think that's my perspective on it yeah it's like just yeah. for, me, for me personally like I just like don't see the ben- like like I I generally like one of my daily habits is like I just kind of don't do things that don't have like any benefit to me like I just kind of choose it's like I think I the like I like I have my list of things that are important to me and I consciously don't do things that would detract from them hmm. like the, and I think the big part of that is like also like if you're eating habits. I just don't eat like a ton of crap because I'm like, I'm going to feel terrible and then I'm going to be like struggling and I don't, and I don't want that for myself. So, uh, I think that would be my, if I give a piece of advice, be like, think about the things you want. And then like, when you have decisions to make, like think if it would add to that or detract from that. Yeah. 
if it would detract from it, then don't do it. I like that. It's, Seems it's easier like, said than done. Yeah. It's the, it's the habit of negation, essentially. I like it. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't thought ask... about like that, but that's perfect. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you too, um, about, uh, heroes. If you have, if you have any like heroes, you know, big, big role models you look up to. Yeah. I, I remember I saw you had sent that, that, that was one of your questions and I was like, it's really interesting. Um, so, okay. I, the way that I would answer this is, uh, I do, but it's really more of a type of person than a specific person person it's like a, an archetype i guess mm -hmm. um of kind of like the anti-hero like that's the kind of person like i i really admire the people who are like the like the, that kind of person and it can be like you know female male whatever it's just, it, irrelevant but um it's more about the kind of person who's like a little bit rebellious like there's a complexity to them um in terms of like and they've like gone through sort of like trials and tribulations and there's something about them that's like kind of complicated and nuanced and and they they end up like uh you know sort of maybe doing something interesting or you know choosing something interesting or innovating or you know whatever but they're not like the hero like the hero is boring like captain america is boring get out mm -hmm. so bored <laughs> okay but the the people who i think are really interesting is like the, the the kind of um like the bruce wayne yeah, like the, kind of kind like of like Batman? um you know what yeah the actually a good example would be like um okay like would you choose uh like a captain america or a um what's his name tony stark jesus christ i just blanked oh iron um, man right but like that kind of character like yeah. your iron man right like who do, yeah. who did you find more interesting iron man a thousand times over and i remember when i was growing up like my favorite hero was probably Indiana Jones. He was the most interesting. Like that mm -hmm. was like an interesting, you know, kind of character. Like I think that those are the people who, um, I the 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 antihero archetype. I think have always fascinated me. Like those kind of people who, um, are like a little bit rebellious, not just for the sake of like you know being rebellious. Like not that they're just like reckless, but that they're sort of a um maybe like a questioning of authority or sort of uh sort of that spirit in trying to push for something different and not just sort of going along with what everyone else is doing so it's a sure. type of person so it's an, i think it's an, an archetype those are the kind of people who i think i've always admired and there's probably a lot of them i could think of like I think a lot of like people who've um, like transformational thinkers have been those kind of people right? who like dare to do something or think something a little different. I like it. The, the rebel kind of the, the person that's willing to take the, the rebel. Uh, yeah, the, the untrodden path. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. All right. Cause I know we, we were talking a little bit before we hit record yeah. and you, you, you're like, I've been waiting this whole talk. You, you said you had like a controversial recommendation. So I'm waiting to see what it is. Um, do you have uh, two, two book recommendations that you would give out for, you know, just anyone in general? I would. Um, I do. Um, one of them is a long read. 
uh, but it's worth it. Um, I think one of my uh, favorite books is uh, Atlas Shrugged, Anywhere End, um, mm-hmm. but in college, pretty uh, transformational book for me. Similar themes to some in your book about like the power of the individual, right? And mm-hmm. um, I think that whether or not you like end up, you know, believing in that philosophy or whether it resonates with you, it's, it's worth it to read it just to explore the perspective. Right. Because I think um, that was like a book that I read early on in, in my life. And it definitely had a lasting effect just about like the themes of um, the themes of like innovation of personal responsibility of the individual Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, taking accountability for, you know, for our choices and, and a, and a lot of different things like in our lives. And so I know that's a, that's a conscious, controversial one. Not every, you know, I think a lot of people feel like a certain way about the book or, you know, either for or against it, but I think like, regardless, don't knock it till you at least like, you know, read half of it. Yeah. Like, I think that a lot of people have, like, preconceived ideas about, like, mm-hmm. you know, what they think the book is about. Um, but it, it just, you know, just give it a shot. That's what I'll say. Have you read it? So I, I haven't read um, Atlas Shrugged. I have read um, a fair bit of her philosophical works. Um, I've, I've read, like, The Virtue mm-hmm. of Selfishness. And there was one that was, like, a collection of her essays. And I'm actually, I'm a big Rand fan. Um she's controversial in in general um i think that there's you know i have my my theories on why that is um i you know i actually went mm-hmm. into this into an episode a couple while back but um i think that one of the things against her a big strike against her was that she was a woman talking about philosophy in a male dominated field and i think that that yeah. caused her to you know be kind of not respected a little bit. And they, they said, well, she's not a real philosopher and she's not a real author. And yeah. um, I think the other thing um, that was happening a lot of the time is that, you, you know, you had a huge influence of like the Frankfurt school and Hegelian philosophy that had infiltrated at an academic level and academic philosophers tended to be more on the, you know, I won't say communist, but like more on the socialist side, you know, probably a little bit more influenced by the thinking of Marx, for example, and um, exactly. she came along at a time when, you know, academic philosophy was dominated by a uh, opposite viewpoint to her own. And I think that that also caused people to not really respect what she had to say. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I think that there are pieces of value from kind of both sides of, of looking at things. But I, you know, I have respect for Rand for her free thinking. And, you know, while I may disagree with parts of her philosophy, I think in general, I, you know, I agree with far more than I disagree with. And I think that she doesn't get the respect and consideration that she deserves, you know, as a, as a thinker in general. I agree. And that's what I think. I, that, that's, I think the way that I would put it is like, you know, by, you know, saying that like, this is a book recommendation, I'm not saying, you know, I, you know, advocate and support 100% of all of, you know, uh, you know, Anne Rand's ideas. But I do think that there's a, you know, a big chunk of a majority that 
that are um, definitely worth considering. Like, and, and I think that there are an interesting differing viewpoint that like, that I really respect. So yeah, that's one. And then um, the other one is, you know, probably a book a lot of people read um, in high school, but that I've always loved. And it's like a personal favorite of mine, um, A Brave New World. I've always loved it. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I've seen like every Russians in general, like Eastern Europeans, like are big sci-fi fanatics. Mm-hmm. Like they, a lot of us are. So, and my parents were, and I've, so I've always been like really into sci-fi shows sci-fi books like you know my like growing up my parents like read like Isaac Asimov like a lot of that sort of you know sci-fi and then you know I've always been into a lot of this is the third I do love Lord of the Rings a lot but it's mm-hmm. like not quite like on the level of those two but I think like I've always been a big sci-fi and fantasy fan and I think um there's like maybe some similar themes between like those two books like I think in terms of thinking about like dystopian society or, you know, philosophy, like there's different like themes you can glean from both of them, but those would probably be like the two that have um, stayed with me. Like really, I think formed a lot of my thinking in my life. Probably those two have been the biggest. I've got, um, Lord of the Rings, a close third. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a brave new world on my bookshelf. Um, I'm I'm finishing up 1984 right now, so it's like the first time I've okay. actually sat and like read through, you know, like I read parts of 1984 in like high school many years ago, but this is my first mm-hmm. time sitting down and reading it, and um, gonna get to work on a brave new world pretty soon as well. But uh, yeah, I think it's really important to see those like dystopian futures. Um, I mean, like 1984. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, you always hear like, Oh, it's an Orwellian nightmare. And you, you hear these things thrown around, but when you read the book yeah. and you kind of look around at the world around you and you see like some of these things starting to happen, it, it is a, uh, it's a wake up call. It's that like moment of introspection where it makes you hit a wall for a second and be like, Oh, like, hold on. Where are we headed as a society? Exactly. Right. Well, and I think like what you'll enjoy about brave new world is like sort of the um, talk about like categorization. Like there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, like some really interesting themes there about like putting, actually putting people into categories, right? Like you like consciously determining to do that. And that's probably one of the reasons like I'm so against it. Like I'm so against, like I, I would hope that as like humans, we would be able to see individuals as more complex and nuanced than like actually like labeling someone in a certain you know category which is what happens in brave new world so yeah. i think it's like a yeah like almost like a cautionary just like 1984 like a same kind of similar theme of books but yeah those would be my two that i okay. would uh that i would recommend to anyone all right in my but in my no last complain at me if it's brave atlas world is too long because oh yeah it's a long book okay all right. Yeah, great. Sorry. Last question. No, great. Great recommendations. Good. Um, and yeah, the last question I always like to ask is, you know, if, if you could go back in time, hop in a time machine, go back to yourself. Um, I feel like a teenage years are a good time point just because I feel like we're all kind of lost at that point. We're trying to figure ourselves out. Um, if you could go back, yeah. give a piece of advice to yourself, what would it be?
You know, this is an interesting one because I'm almost don't know that I would, um, which I don't know if anyone's ever answered with that. I don't know that I would like change the trajectory of your life and like the person that you uh, sort of become. I mean, I wish I would have, you, you know, I think, you know, definitely would have been good to hear. I don't think I would have believed myself, I guess is what I'm getting at. Cause I've mm-hmm. I always had a strong personality. So I thought I probably could have gone back and been like, actually, you know, these things are going to happen to you and it's kind of, it's going to be okay. And you're going to do this. And I would have been like, I don't believe you get out. I don't know who you are. Like, I think I probably would have been like really dismissive of my future self. Um, but I think the, I, I, gosh, like the one piece of advice that I would give, you know, the, I don't know, probably buy some Bit, Bitcoin, honestly, probably <laughs> would have told them to buy Bitcoin and like, you don't know what it is yet, but you're like, you need to buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Truthfully, that's probably what I would say. Yeah, actually, I had that as a joke answer before, but uh, you know the oh did you, the, did you yeah really? yeah the no, this the the two most popular kind of like things that I've heard are, um, and this is this is the most popular so far is basically what you said, which is um, just keep going, like just a variation of like it's it's all kind yeah. of meant to be, like just you know don't don't worry about it, like there is no advice I need to give you, just keep doing what you're doing because you're yeah. gonna get to this place. Um, and the other variation, you know, that I, or the other, you know, one that's been as almost as popular has been, you know, be more mindful of your time or just, you know, like, but I think they're, they're both kind of on the similar line of like, just, you know, keep improving and keep moving forward. Right. Cause it's going to take you to who you are today. And I think that that's like, that's like the defining characteristic, or maybe like one of the things that someone that's like, you know, happy, successful shares is that they realize that the ups and downs, the goods, the bads, everything they've gone through has brought them to this moment, right? And that you had to go through the things you had to go through to get here. I think, unfortunately, that's the case. Like, I wish I, like, I, you know, I I thought about it. uh, And as much as like, you know, yeah, there were definitely some real, like, you know, rough times that, you know, I wish someone could have come along and said, like, it's going to be okay. It's almost like you got to figure that out for yourself like it's not for there's no there's not a way that someone can make that easier for you like sometimes it just has to be hard for you to come to the right conclusions on your own because otherwise I just don't think it works I just don't think it'll work like I think I could have gone back and been like Hey, you know, it's, and I think it just wouldn't have worked. So I, so, so truthfully, I, you know, if you like put a gun in my head and was like, give your former self advice, I would be like, buy Bitcoin and otherwise just (laughs) keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would have been it because man, I regret that. Yeah. Well, well said. Still like on the crypto train, but, but, you know, wish I had done that differently. Yeah. You, you and a lot of other people in, in the world are like, man, I wish I would have, wish I would have thrown like a couple hundred bucks into Bitcoin and like been on a yacht somewhere. Yeah. Truthfully. Yeah. 
Well, I, uh, I have really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, I, you know, liked learning a little bit more about like your trajectory and, you know, your, your career path, your background. Um, is, is there, are there any links or anything like any, any projects you're working on you'd like to throw out there for like people to look you up or, um, you know, and I'll put links in the description too, of course, but. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I do have some, some projects, um, kind of interesting stuff coming up, but, um, I am right now focused like a hundred percent on my health and I probably will be for the next couple of weeks. So, um, in the meantime, if people, you know, want to learn more about me and like my background and some of the, um, press and like the media interviews I've done, um, I would just tell them to, to check out my website, um, which is, um, on my Instagram, it's, uh, katibicarlova.com has like a lot of, um, different interviews I've done just about body positivity, you know, about why I chose modeling, you know, just kind of about the path, about my background. Um, and, um, otherwise, you know, follow along on, on Instagram. I'm usually a lot more active than I am right now. Uh, but, uh, hopefully once like this like little, you know, health stuff is over, I'll share a little bit more about that journey because I think, um, you know, there's some opportunities to raise awareness too. So thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Loved chatting with you. And like, I feel like we got into like heavy, some heavy like subjects. Yeah. That's, that's the goal, right? Like, a, you know, like talking, talking superficial or talking, you know, that that's never been something that's interested me. I like, I like getting into the, you know, the philosophy, the dialogue. So definitely enjoyed the conversation today. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.